Hello, my friends, and welcome to Worship at Carmen United Church for July 19th of 2020. I'm the pastor here of this church, Reverend Nick Phillips, and once again, I am so glad that you are joining us for worship this day. We gather today to continue exploring what normal is in the views of the world and in the view of God. So far, we've looked at environment and leadership, and today we'll move on to the biblical example of community. And what does that look like? But before we begin, I invite you to join me in prayer as we silence our hearts and prepare to worship our God. Let us pray. Holy God, we are your children. We are living in wonder and maybe even living in worry about what is happening in the world around us. We gather here in your presence today seeking comfort seeking direction, seeking peace, and whatever else you have to offer us this day. We ask you to bless this time of worship as we come in the name of Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. Today we are reading from the book of Acts, and we are joining the disciples as they came together in the new church immediately following when 3,000 people joined the church on the day of Pentecost. And so we read today from Acts chapter 2, verses 42 to 47. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need. Every day, they continued to meet together in the temple. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added daily to their number of those who are being saved. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, as we gather here in our worship this day, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be acceptable in your sight, you who are our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. When I think of the churches I've been part of for the last couple of decades, I often think of the meals we would have together. I think of potlucks, I I think of the sit-down meals, I think of the time uh, when the table looked like it didn't have enough food for the extra hundred or so people that showed up unexpectedly. Yet, even then, somehow, everyone had enough food. We even, so we sort of had our own little loaves and fishes moment right there. I think of the dinner theaters that I've sat through. I think of the, the dinner theaters I've acted in and, and served in. Uh, I think of the after church coffee hour conversations. I think of strawberry teas and and pancake dinners. The church, it just seems to to gather around food. It just comes together. I've had so many different experiences in the church, and almost all of them are wonderful, even if it may have looked dire at times when I walked in. I think of the church I walked into as a student minister my first day on a Monday. To, to be met by someone at the door who says, good luck, 
And I asked, what do you mean? And he told me, good luck, because the outgoing minister who had preached the morning before had condemned the church and told them that God had left them. (laughs) What a way to start a ministry as a student. We spent the next few months, though, purposely having fun. Purposely reminding ourselves that God was still very much part of that church. I remember another church where, again, I was a student minister, uh, and I was invited to be their student minister because their um, current minister was on medical leave. And I walked in, and this church was feeling conflicted because their relationship with their current minister was not a good one. But again, we spent the next few months trying to celebrate with joy that God was with them and in that church and in that community. I even think of of here at Carmen when I arrived. And the church uh, was feeling maybe what I would describe as a bit depressed because things had not gone well for the previous couple of years. We too had to learn to celebrate and remember that God is in our midst and wants us to be joyful together. So it's, it's not always fun. It's not always easy. Sometimes we do face challenges in the church. Sometimes those challenges, they overwhelm us. And in those moments, we just don't know what to do. But we continue we, we press on, we push. Now, we might lose track of what we're about at times, but, but we persevere. And when I look at the, the world around us, I feel like we're in one of those we need to persevere moments. And that's in the global church right now. Things aren't happening like they're supposed to. Things, they don't look quite right to us. We don't We don't like this whole being apart thing. We don't know what to think. We we don't know where to start. We don't know where to start with a process that will bring us back together in the comfort of what we have always done. What is normal to us? What was normal to us? Well, it seems even like a distant memory right now, doesn't it? Will we ever find a way to come back together for a potluck supper? I know I could really use a potluck supper right about now. You know, that time when we just simply come together, uh, we gather around a bunch of tables, we tell stories, we laugh, we eat. But those can't happen right now. And they probably won't happen for quite some time, I suspect. So what is going to be the normal for the church? How can we find the normal for the church? What is it, what is it going to look like? How is it going to function? Now I turn to the book of Acts today for a reason. That passage from chapter 2 is the first recorded gathering of the church as initiated by the Holy Spirit that day. 
it says that these new 3,000 members of the first ever church recorded that has ever gathered together, those 3,000 people gathered to learn from the apostles. The apostles are those who walked with Jesus. And they also gathered together for fellowship with each other. So immediately we see two purposes about why the church was formed, why why it came together. It was to learn and to fellowship. Does this sound familiar at all? It's a lot about what we try to do in the church today. We try to learn, we we try to fellowship, but right now that is increasingly, it is significantly more difficult in the world as it is right now. But still, we, we gather around these videos And I hope that in some small way I'm teaching you something new every week or or at least I'm giving you something to think about. We also have our ongoing Bible studies which meet online and and we gather uh, over Zoom once a week and we fellowship and we learn together. What's What's interesting about how the first church is described is is how it is at the very beginning. It's about how they function as a church. It says they were together and they had everything in common. Now, does this mean that they agreed on anything? No, probably not. That's not what the author is saying when he says they had everything in common. It means they shared everything equally in community. It says that they sold their property and made sure that no one among them was in need. It says that they they met in the temple courtyards for worship. It says they they met in one another's houses to enjoy one another's presence, uh, company in the presence of the Lord. And it says every single day people joined them and they were saved. That is... They gave their lives to Jesus. Jesus as their Lord and their Savior. The church at that time was a single community. They not only spent time together, they were committed to making sure every single person among them had everything they need. They all had food, they all had clothing, It didn't matter if they were rich or whether they were poor. And if they had to sacrifice something, some of that of their of their own comfort, so that someone else could benefit, so that someone else could just simply have a meal, they did it. Well, you might be thinking, well, that's all well and good at the very beginning. They're all happy to be together. What happened over time? What came next? Well then Let's skip ahead and see what came next. We'll skip ahead to Acts chapter 4. But first, let's just do a brief recap over what happened between Acts 2 and towards the end of Acts 4. Peter and John were on their way to the temple one day, and they, they came across a man who had been lame since birth. And uh, this man, he was, a, he was a beggar outside the temple gate. <clears throat> And as he sat there on the ground, Peter said to him, Silver and gold I do not have, 
But what I do have, I give you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Walk. And he took him by the hand, and the man's legs and joints became strong, and he stood up, and he walked. But more than that, it says Peter and John went into the temple, and the man followed them in, and he was jumping and walking and dancing and praising God. Peter then, they've of course now gathered the attention of those in the temple, and, and Peter begins to speak. He, he begins to tell them about Jesus. In the midst of all this kind of uh, chaos, confusion, calamity, the temple rulers, they came to Peter and John and took them before the elders. And they were questioned about all that was going on right then, what, what was happening. And at the end, they threatened Peter and John to stop. Don't do it anymore. And they released them. From there, they went back to their people and told them what happened, back to the church. And together, the people praised God. They, they prayed together, and they were refreshed by the Holy Spirit. And then we pick up in Acts chapter 4 verses 32 to 35, where it says, All the believers were in one heart and mind. No one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. With great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them all that there were no needy persons among them. From time, to do, from time to time, those who owned land or houses sold them and brought the money from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet. And it was distributed to anyone who had need. So what did they do? When persecution began, they continued to live in community sharing all their possessions so that no one would be in need. How are we doing with this concept in the global church? I was at a church supper many years ago now where we realized we had way too much food. It was a potluck dinner and we had brought way, way too much food. And we, we just, there weren't enough of us to eat it all. There was going to be way too much left over. And someone thought, well, the food should not go to waste. It's nice and hot. It was ready to serve. So they put a sign out on the street saying, free dinner. The sign lasted no more than 15 minutes before someone went out, picked it up, and brought it back in and said, we don't want anyone else in our church. That's not a very good example of a church sharing from its abundance, is it? A church is meant to be a community hub, a place where people can come and be cared for, but also learn about Jesus at the same time. It's not a club with membership requirements. It's not a private social club for people who look like us. There's a quote that I really quite like, that kind of speaks to this. And I can't trace its source. It's been so widely used, and it's, 
Some say it's from Augustine. Uh, some say it's from Dear Abbey. There are many others in between that we can trace the quote to. It's got quite the track record. But whatever its source, here it is. It says, The church is not a hospital for sinners. Oh, sorry. The church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for the saints. The church is a hospital for sinners, not a museum for saints. In other words, the church is a place where people who have broken spirits can come receive healing and wholeness, love and care. It's open for everyone. It's not a place where we can choose who's allowed to enter. It's not about holding people to a standard. Jesus even hints at this in the Gospel of Mark in chapter 2, verse 17, which, for all we know, may be the inspiration for that quote I just shared. Jesus is being accused of eating with those evil tax collectors and sinners. And Jesus says, It is not the healthy who need a doctor, but the sick. I have not come to call the righteousness the righteous, but sinners. Now, isn't this true? I don't go to a doctor unless I think something is wrong. Jesus hasn't come for those who don't need him. Jesus has come for those who are forgotten and broken, for those who are in need of healing and in need of the love of God in their lives. So in reality, we all need Jesus. None of us are completely healthy spiritually. None of us are without sin. Yet, Jesus does not turn his back on us. Jesus looks at us with love and compassion. He's inviting us to be cleansed of our sin and receive the healing he offers. The healing only he can offer. Pope Francis said a number of years ago, and I think it's been inspired by this quote. He says, I see clearly the thing that church needs most today is the ability to heal wounds and warm the hearts of the faithful. It needs nearness, proximity. I see the church as a field hospital after battle. A field hospital after battle. The battle is ongoing. All around us, people are struggling. They're struggling with addiction, with poverty, with abuse, with hunger, with homelessness, with pain, with loss, with rejection, with, with inadequacies, with, 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 with. The list goes on and on. How does the church help heal people in the new realities of life we are finding ourselves in. And we will continue to experience these things for some time. How do we seek to serve in the new normal? How do we or, or what do we sacrifice from our abundance so that the people around us receive what they need? Who do we partner with? What ministries do we have to create? How do we serve? And at the same time, how do people encounter the great physician, the healer, 
who is among us. What do we think when we read from the book of Acts and realize the very first church from its beginning instinctively and naturally served those who were around them and among them? I know I'm asking a lot of questions and and I've said recently a number of times that when I ask these questions, I don't have the answers. But I'm willing to ask the questions because I believe these questions are key to the church surviving into the future, the global church, local churches, all over the place. The answers, though, where will they come from? The answers will come from committed time and prayer, specifically asking for direction from God. The answers come from our commitment to be healers and agents of God's love in the world. The answers, they lie in the gifts, the skills, and the heart God has given us as his children. We're not a museum. We are a hospital for the broken. We're a hospital by offering grace, peace, healing, and love to those who walk the streets in the communities in which we serve. This is the normal. This is the normal that the church built itself upon in the very beginning. And they sought to maintain it even through persecution and punishment as they found their footing, as they found their strength, as they found their purpose always celebrating the gifts of God in their midst. May this be the normal we strive for, whatever it looks like in our communities where our churches are found. God is with us always. We are never alone. Amen. Would you join together with me in prayer? Let us pray. Father God, you have blessed the church with many great gifts, gifts of skills and abilities, gifts of buildings and ministries. We are so thankful for your presence among us and the opportunity to serve. We know you have a plan for the future of not just our church, of our church, but for, but for all your children as well. And so we pray for guidance and wisdom as we learn to live into this new normal of the world. We submit ourselves to you for your instructions as to how to be healers and light bearers of your kingdom in this world. We also pray for those who are in need in our community and for those in our lives. We pray for the sick, the lost, the mourning, the hurt, the rejected, the burdened, and all others in need of your presence this day. May you bring healing and love, peace and comfort to all. We pray for the protection of our province and country, and for that matter, the whole world from this pandemic. May your healing come and remove this virus from our society. May you work within the scientists and doctors, guiding them toward a treatment or a vaccine so that many, many lives 
can be saved. May you direct leaders of nations and governments as to how to best protect their people. May this virus be eradicated in your most holy name. Lord, there is so much more that we can be praying for. So guide our hearts as we lift up those around us, including ourselves. May we all know of your presence this day through the power of your Holy Spirit and through those who are part of our lives as well. We thank you, Lord, for all we have and for all that is to come as we lead from a, from a position of humble servant of you, our Most High God. Lord, we take all of these prayers and we lift them up to you in the name of Jesus Christ, who is our Lord, our Savior, our Redeemer and friend. And we offer up to you the prayer that he taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. Once again, thank you for joining me for worship this day and for joining all of us at Carmen United Church in worship today. Wherever you are, may God richly bless you. And if you wish to support the ministry of our church, you may do so. Uh, you may drop your envelopes off to myself or to Joyce. You may use e-transfer to the email address provided, or you may go to our website and donate online. However you wish to support us, even if it's by offering prayer, we greatly appreciate it. And may God use this offering to further his kingdom in this world. Amen. Again, I thank you for worship uh, today, worshiping with us today. And I pray God's blessing upon you and wherever you are. <clears throat> may we go forth from this service in the name of our Father, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, one God in each and every one of us, now and forever. Amen. Thank you for listening to Be Still and Know, a ministry of Carmen United Church in Sydney Mines. To learn more about our ministry, please visit our website, www.carmenunited.ca. May God bless you this day.